Democrats may be getting a midterm election lifeline from Republicans and podcaster Joe Rogan getting a lifeline from Rumble. Maria, the strangest bedfellows in politics and media these days. That's exactly right. I'm going to say thank you to the RNC and to Republicans. Uh, and everyone can listen to our conversation to see uh, what you think about it. Uh, we are thrilled that you're joining us. Uh, this is Hot Mics from Left to Right. I am one of your hosts, Maria Cardona. And I am the other host, Alice Stewart. We would love if you would like and share our podcast uh, and give us your thoughts. You can follow me on social media. On Twitter, it's at Alice Tweet and Instagram, Alice Stewart DC. You can listen to our podcast on all the podcast platforms and on my website at alicestewart.com. And I can be reached on Twitter at Maria T. Cardona and on Instagram at Maria Cardona DC. So we would love to hear from you. Alice, when I heard about the resolution to censure Liz Cheney and Adam Kitzinger that came out of the RNC, and then uh, the reasons why they did that, attacking them for um, uh, allegedly uh, buying into the um, Democrats' persecution of ordinary citizens engaged in, quote, legitimate political discourse, I thought it was Christmas all over again. Well, it, it was for Democrats. And look, I, I just think this is, it's absurd. The Republicans having their annual meeting uh, over the weekend. And this is a time when you get together, uh, especially in the midterm election year, you discuss your policies, you outline your playbook, you uh, determine how you're going to take it to the other side in the midterm elections and highlight the many, many, many failures of the Biden administration. And instead of uh, punching to the other party, they're engaging in a circular firing squad. And I was just shocked to see that uh, what came out of the meeting uh, over the past weekend was for the RNC to uh, censure Republicans Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger um, for their actions with regard to uh, January 6th uh, and certainly the impeachment. Uh, and going even further, uh, not only going against two of our own, but as you said, Maria, to refer to the January 6th activities, the riots, uh, the insurrection as, quote, legitimate political discourse. That's not sitting well with most people um, and even Republicans. Of course, we know uh, Ronna McDaniel is the chairwoman of the RNC. Uh, her uncle, Uncle Mitt Romney, a senator from Utah, even said that it, his niece's decision was, quote, very unfortunate and even called it stupid, uh, simply because it's just really absurd to to do this to two of our own in a midterm election. But as the, the key thing, saying basically rolling out the red carpet for another January 6th. And, you know, when this happened, I knew you were going to be um, not happy, which obviously makes me happy because no one should be happy about that. But but I do think it really encapsulates, Alice, the problem that um, I have been talking about, you know, since last year. And I know, you know, we talked about this on our last CNN segment last Sunday, uh, and you talk about this often, which is that you believe that Republicans have a very good chance of retaking the House and the Senate if they focus on policy. Uh, and that has always been your um, your message, that Republicans need to focus on policy. They have to get away from Trump. I completely agree with you. That is what the party would do well to do. 
But here's the problem, and this this is what I've been talking about, which is right now the majority in your party, as evidenced by what the RNC just did, and and let's let's remember, and this is why I think it's so damning for Republicans. This wasn't some outside group. This wasn't some fringe, you know, extreme right wing. Well, I think now they are, but you know, a, a fringe group that. Uh, you know, is, is made up of crazy people. This is the Republican National Committee. This is the official representation of the Republican Party in American politics. That's why I think it's so damning. That's why I think you have a lot of Republicans on the Hill, even those that support Trump, that I think were rattled because they realized how dangerous this was going into the midterm because of everything that, that you have said. But I continue to believe that the problem is that Defenders of the RNC say that the Senate GOP should stop clutching their pearls. Uh, And then they say, look, and I think this is still the case, and this is why this is so dangerous for you all. Obviously, this is Trump's party, they argue. And if the RNC members want to go this way, McDaniel had no choice but to do what her members wanted. And, And that's the important point to take away. Look, this is not Republicans writ large. Uh, I speak with many members of Congress who disagree with the actions. These are members, as you said, of the RNC. They are loyal to and beholden to and still supportive of uh, former President Trump. And this is a voice and consenting opinion of those members. But we're seeing news account after news account from respectable, uh, well-thinking uh rational thinking Republicans that have concerns with this. Uh, We heard specifically Senate Minority Whip John Thune, who has uh, said, as I've often said, the focus now needs to be forward, not backward. If we want to get our majorities in the fall, we need to turn our fire on Democrats, not each other. That's so important. Uh, Even uh, Trump ally, Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, he was he was frustrated. He even called uh, Ronna McDaniel to personally express his disappointment. He said it's uh, all in the wrong direction. He said all of us up here want to talk about forward, not backward. And and look, the voters do, too. The voters want to look at uh, what's coming ahead. They're, They're tired of talking about the past election. They're tired of talking about January 6th. They want to talk about what is the Republican Party going to do for me moving forward with regard to the economy and COVID and jobs and public safety. And that's exactly where the focus needs to be, as it should be uh, on every midterm election. This, I think, is it's an unforced error. It is uh, unnecessary distraction. And I, I certainly hope they right the ship and put the focus where it needs to be uh, before we move uh, closer to the midterms. But here's the problem with that, Alice. You know who is not sick of January 6th? You know who is not over the last election? The, I think, leader still of the Republican Party, Donald Trump. And and that's why I think that it's going to be really difficult as much as you want to and other sensible Republicans who understand that this is a danger moving into the midterm elections, how much you all want to move away from this if Donald Trump is going to continue obsessed with the big lie, and he still is, then that is going to be a big focus of the Republican Party moving into the midterm elections, especially when he is going to be out there 
endorsing, giving money to. A lot of the candidates who he supports still support the big lie. Uh, that is not going away anytime soon. And, and, and so it, it has become, I think, such a problem for the Republican Party that many in the political sphere are kind of rethinking the chances for Democrats in the midterm elections. Yesterday in Playbook, the title was, Can Dems Defy History? And and look, we all know that the 2022 midterms will be incredibly difficult for uh, for Democrats because of history and you know, so so many other things. Well, right now, I'd, I'd also I would include Joe Biden's approval numbers, inflation, uh, th- those sorts of things. But I do think that um, maybe the uh, the outlook is not as grim as we thought, especially if we do see a Republican Party that is still obsessed and mired in um, Donald Trump's grievance from the 2020 election. And that's the key. As you say, it's not completely um, out of the realm of possibility. It's very remote. It's very probably unlikely. As you say, the president's approval rating around 42 percent, and even in generic ballot, 44 percent approval rating. That's really low. But if if the Republicans continue down this path of focusing on the circular firing squad within our own party and continue to allow the former president to make this about him and his loss instead of about the people, that's going to be, uh, it's going to be very problematic. And I talked with many members of Congress and uh, one the other day who shall remain nameless, he, he brought up in a very interesting point. He's, he blames a lot of uh, what we're seeing and the conversations uh, by Republicans and the focus, he blames it on the Democrats. And he says, because um, this is an interesting Sorry. thought. This is a, okay. something th- something to consider. Uh, he says, um, b- since the Democrats have made this all about removing Trump, that they did so obviously in the, the 2020 election, they tried to do so in the Virginia election, that didn't work. And he said, making that their clarion call, it, it, it made everything even more divided. And he says, the further they go, the further right we go. He calls this uh, political physics, equal and opposite reactions. He says the the further left that the Democrats go, and they have gone very far left with social spending, and now they want to federalize the election, the further left the Democrats go, the further right Republicans will go. And that that is why, in his view, we're still talking about the big lie. We're still talking about Donald Trump. We're still talking about... Uh, in some ways, legitimizing January 6th. And he says this is a natural political physics of the left going left and the right's going right. Just, a, just something to ponder. <laughs> I, 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 there is something in, in what he says, but I think that it has nothing to do with Donald Trump still being obsessed with the big lie and convinced that he won in 2020. That's all... Donald Trump's doing that has nothing to do with Democrats. But, you know, I, I guess thank you for thinking that we're we're all that powerful that we can direct in terms of what Donald Trump is doing and not doing. Uh, it, you know, I, I think that for Democrats, what we need to do and, and there is a um, there is a discussion going on within the party, uh, within the Democratic Party, about how much we do make this about Trump and the big lie and, and January 6th, 
or how much we focus on the economy and and local issues for each of the candidates that are running in the midterms. I am of the camp that, and this actually was written up in in Politico also yesterday, we can do both. And I think it is absolutely necessary that we do both. And the reason we need to do both is because, number one, and I've said this before, uh, we actually have a lot to run on. I mean, Joe Biden just came off of a record historic job-producing year, 6.4 million jobs produced in his first year as president, a record since ever. Um, Yes, there is inflation that, you know, many economists are forecasting that that is going to go down. Uh, The supply chains are being resolved. Um, the, this past month of job creation, you know, the White House was girding itself for a really horrible, even negative number. And it ended up being like, you know, a whopping more than 400,000 jobs were created. Uh, and so the economy is actually really, really good. We need to continue to talk about that. The infrastructure bill is now starting to be a cash flow in all of all of the states around the country, in all of these districts around the country. Democrats need to start taking credit for that. And we do need to continue to talk about Build Back Better. At the same time, Alice, our democracy is in peril because if we continue to allow people like Donald Trump and everyone who still supports him and believes in the big lie to run for office and, and you know, God hopefully won't allow this to happen and the voters won't either, for them to win, our democracy continues to be in peril. So I think we need to do both of those things. And if we do both of those things well, I don't think 2022 will be a disaster for us. Well, first off, our democracy is not in peril. Uh, we have a we're in good shape there. Um, second of all, if uh, there was such a long record of accomplishment with the current administration, his poll numbers and approval numbers would not be in the low 40s. And it's not just across the board. On every cross tab you look at, whether it is the economy, whether it's COVID, his poll numbers are bad, very bad. And, and look, I, I would love for everyone to stop talking about Donald Trump. It would be smart for the Democrats to uh, stop doing so because they did that here in Virginia, as we say, and they lost. Look, if Democrats had the um, record to tout that and use that as their issue in the midterms, they would. But the reality is, um, what is record uh, setting in this administration is inflation. It is not temporary. It is not transitory. This is long term. And even Democratic economists are frustrated with the problem with inflation. It's at the inflation numbers at a four decade high. That's that's a concern. Gas prices are high. Grocery prices are high. COVID, uh, the numbers continue to rise and and we're still um, having problems with at-home tests. I was first out of the gate to sign up uh, for my at-home tests, I'm still waiting for them. I'm sure they're lost in, in the mail. Uh, the foreign policy problems, if if Russia invades Ukraine, that's going to be really bad for uh, this administration, given the, the efforts to try and seek about a diplomatic, peaceful resolution to de-escalating the crisis at the border with Ukraine. It's not looking like that's going to happen. And in addition to that, the, the, the ongoing immigration crisis at our own borders uh, is a concern, and public safety is a concern. We're seeing crime 
going through the roof in cities across this country. And the, these are real issues that voters are concerned with. The economy is, is always top of mind for voters and safety is also top of mind. And you look at these poll numbers, this is not just me reading some Republican talking point. The poll numbers indicate people are frustrated. And when they're frustrated, they want new leadership. They are frustrated at the moment. And and luckily, Joe Biden has some time to increase those poll numbers. Um, And I think the more that we are able to talk about the realities of the economy, while at the same time, telling the American people, showing the American people everything that he's doing to try to solve inflationary pressures, passing pieces of the Build Back Better that are incredibly popular, and frankly, asking what are Republicans for? You know, everything that you just said, Alice, is all against Joe Biden, against the Democrats. It sounds like Republicans are happy that there are, you know, these inflationary pressures that inflation is going up. So I hope that Republicans aren't going to start talking down the economy. Um, uh, but, you know, Joe Biden, I think, also is smart. And in one of his last speeches, he actually did point out, what are Republicans for? What are, we gonna, what are Republicans going to be running on that isn't, oh, let's try to block Joe Biden's agenda? Or, you know, Joe Biden's, you know, super progressive lefty agenda, because that's just that's not going to cut it. That's and first of all, it's not true. And, and secondly, you know, the American people love the infrastructure bill. They love many of the components of the bill back better. And hopefully Joe Manchin will be able to work with us to try to get that done. And Kirsten Cinema as well. And so there is time which is why some of the thinking about the um, sealed fate of Democrats losing both the House and the Senate in the midterm elections is being rethought. Look, you, you ask what Republicans are for. One thing they are for is uh, lower gas prices, lower food prices, lower cost of living, uh, less government spending, uh, solving the immigration crisis at the border, making public safety uh, priority number one, and that does not include defunding the police. And in terms of getting a, a handle on this inflation, the last thing we need in an ongoing inflationary period is more federal spending. That's why this Build Back Better proposal, this massive transformational social spending plan, is not the solution. And, and yes, as you say, there could be parts of this that can be broken up, broken up and individually addressed, but Republicans uh, are steadfastly opposed to massive federal spending when we're in a major inflationary period. And those are the kind of things that Republicans are going to run on and focus on as we move to the midterm elections. And, and one last thing on the, the January 6th and the Republican and the, the infighting is um, obviously on, on the heels, of virtually around the same time, the RNC voted to censure uh, Congressman Cheney and Kensinger. We had former Vice President Mike Pence um, speaking out uh, at an event in Florida, and he was uh, quite vocal in his uh, speaking or his thoughts on um, President Trump and his view that the election was fair. And he, he was quite clear in what he said that Donald Trump was wrong. Uh, he did not win the election. Uh, and the, it's important for the American people to, to move on and look to the future. And this was the first time 
that he called out the president by name. He said President Trump is wrong. He had no right to overturn the election process. And Vice President Pence said the presidency belongs to the American people. And that was a big moment for him. And I think really set the stone for, you know, what his plans are for potentially 2024, but for um, President Trump to try and encourage Vice President Pence back in 20. Uh, January 6th to try and stop the certification of the elections uh, results. Vice President Pence knew that he did not have the authority to do so. And now uh, he says, look, I didn't have the authority to do so. And he, he should not have called and asked for me to do so. So I think it was a lot and says a lot about his future plans for him to call out the president by name. It only took him over a year to do so, Alice. Wow, that's... <laughs> What a backbone. <laughs> uh, look, it's it's great that he finally, finally, finally said that. Uh, I, I don't think he really had any choice. And sure, he's looking now at trying to differentiate himself from Trump, from whoever else might be running as Trump light. Ron DeSantis, I'm looking at you. Uh, and, and, and to try to figure out, and this is where I think it gets tricky, is there a lane for him? Is there a lane for someone who um, has broken with Trump, um, but yet can make the point that he was a loyal Trump supporter for more than four years? There might be. Who, who knows, right? Um, who knows what's going to happen in, in, in the next year? But I, I do think that still this, this little riff between Trump and Pence, and interestingly enough, Trump d- did not come out and eviscerate Pence for this yet anyway I, right. I I think he's stewing and we might hear something uh, a, a little bit later especially it, it, if I think and especially when uh, Mike Pence decides to really get in this I, I think that is going to to be like watch out you know for for the tidal wave of of Donald Trump's ire um, but this is I think going to be what is um, another big challenge for the Republican Party you know, past 2022, what is 2024 going to look like? And who is going to be that standard bearer? Right now, the standard bearer still is very much Donald Trump. And that is something that I think many people who have their eye on 2024 are struggling with. And in fact, you saw after this kerfuffle, this division between Trump and Pence, a reporter asked Ron DeSantis, if he thought what Pence said was true, that Pence did not have the authority to overturn the election, he declined to say anything. I mean, how easy can it be to say, yes, Mike Pence did not have the authority to do this because it's the law that is that should not be a hard thing to declare. He demurred. And I think he is trying to walk that tightrope to not piss off Donald Trump and not piss off, you know, Mike Pence before whatever kind of uh, landscape forms that gives a clear picture of who was viable in 2024. Remember when we were kids, there was this song, it was called Billy Don't Be a Hero. And it was about this guy going off to war and it was basically saying, keep your head low, uh, don't attract attention. Come back, you know. Come back. Don't be a hero. Come back. And I feel at times Republicans in in Washington feel like I'm just going to keep my head low. I'm going to go fight my war. I'm not going to say too much. I'm not going to call attention to myself. I'm going to be a hero. I'm just going to not say a whole lot. And I feel like that's 
relatively the sentiment in Washington with many Republicans. If they do their job, responsive to their constituents, uh, stick to policy and not personality disputes, that's a winning formula. And last, uh, putting a pen on this conversation, note to Republicans, listen to your inner gut, focus on policy, not personality, look to the future, not the past. And that's the best way we can move forward winning the midterms. Like I always say, Alice, they would do well to listen to you. Uh, but I think, unfortunately, right now, the, 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 the person that they are listening to the most is is Donald Trump. And, you know, I, I for one, am, am happy about that. <laughs> I bet. Well, one, one person that uh, people are certainly listening to and have been listening to, uh, Joe Rogan, the very outspoken uh controversial to many uh, podcaster uh, got has been in some hot water and it started recently when you know Joe Rogan has been a podcaster for many years uh, the highest paid uh, podcaster on Spotify and he has spread a lot of what many see as uh, misinformation on COVID and in his view in his wording he did that he wanted to present all types of different uh, scientific and medical uh, information and some of the artists on spotify led by neil young and others have said they're going to leave if he stays on there and that started a a huge controversy now as he was in the crosshairs of of many uh, they have put together a compilation of many of the words that he used over the years and specifically the n-word and the montage of the many 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 times he said that is disgusting and disturbing and now he's in the middle of another battle with spotify over that and i i just i just think if the covid misinformation uh, did not have an impact i think this will i think it will too i i think it's especially today it is really tough to survive that kind of montage uh and and you know certainly a lot of uh spotify customers have been dropping uh the platform for that reason uh you know neil young has certainly started a trend interestingly enough the reason why neil young is doing it to your point is no longer the reason why people are i mean it's probably part of the reason but now this you know his montage of the n-word has become the focus um and, and it's interesting to me he he did talk about this he he seemed remorseful um he didn't outright apologize well he did say i think i apologize he didn't say he was sorry it, it, some people think there's a difference there might be a difference uh, but it's going to be interesting to see, and, and I agree with you, I don't know if he survives this, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to Spotify, right? We are also in this era where platforms are now, I think, starting to become, and I think rightly so, that the demand from customers is that they become more accountable for what is on their platform, or what voices they have on their platform and, and why. You know, we've seen this with Facebook. We've seen this with Twitter. We've seen this with, with, with Instagram. Uh, and, and now we're seeing it with Spotify. I think that last week when this first started, you had the, um, the hashtag, you know, get rid of Spotify or cancel Spotify. I don't know what it was, but urging people to get rid of Spotify. Now, clearly... Spotify is a huge platform with millions of subscribers. So we don't know at this point. 
what kind of um, business uh, repercussions uh, Spotify will have. But I thought it was interesting that another platform called Rumble offered Joe Rogan $100 million to quit Spotify and join Rumble censorship free. So to me, this just tells you that there is an appetite for everything, Alice. And there is also certainly words and dialogue that is completely unacceptable. But we're also in a country where there is freedom of speech. And just a, a couple of the comments that Joe Rogan made recently in reference to this latest, the end montage, he said, quote, I know that to most people, there is no context where a white person is ever allowed to say that word, never mind publicly on a podcast. And I agree with that now. Instead of saying the N word, I would have just said the word. I thought as long as it was in context, people would understand what I was doing. So he's making a distinction between who can say it and who cannot. I, I personally think it. no one should say this. It's um, just wrong. And But he is certainly making the distinction of who can and cannot say this publicly. Right. And, I th and again, it, it remains to be seen whether that is going to be enough of an explanation for people, whether he's going to be able to survive this, uh, whether Spotify will keep him or not. But this will always continue to be um, a, a discussion and, and the tension between freedom of speech, between what is appropriate to say and what isn't, um, and, and frankly, between just, you know, civility in our conversation. And we always try to bring it back to this, Alice, but this is why you and I have this podcast. And, you know, I have to say, I had several friends of mine tell me that they listened to our podcast for the first time uh, last week. And they asked me, interestingly enough, and I'm wondering if you get this too, like, Maria, how do you, how do you sit there so calmly <laughs> in the face of what Alice says? Like, how do you not want to like burst out and, and, and scream? And, and I said to them, if I did that, we wouldn't be having this podcast and I wouldn't have another platform for the message that I think is important to get out there. And part of that message is to be able to get my message out in venues that I normally wouldn't. And Alice offers me that. And at the same time, we both have to demonstrate that there is, there has to be a space for, for civil discourse. And they, they completely appreciated that. Interestingly enough, <laughs> my Republican friends say the same thing. <laughs> How sure. can you sit across the table with Maria and her talking points uh, and, and not just come unglued? And again, I, I tell them like I say to you, uh, I love you, I respect you, and we agree to disagree. And that is, um, I think, where we all need to go. We need to lower the temperature. We need to advance the dialogue and have space where we can have these conversations. Uh, and this is certainly, I think, a lot more productive than, as my uh, Republican congressional friend says, the political physics of left go to the left and right go to the right and just let the science experiment blow up in the middle. This is important to have these conversations. That's exactly right, Alice. And and I love and respect you as well. And everyone that has listened to us knows this. And which is why we urge everyone to um, share this podcast, 
tell us what you think, you know, and you can be honest whether you think this is a useful conversation or whether you think your head would explode if you were one of us. Uh, let us know. We, you know, th- this is part of having that kind of conversation. There, there should be room for um, everyone to be able to um, express what they feel if they can express it in a way that is respectful and civil. And yes, after our uh, CNN segment the other night, we had uh, feedback on social media. One that was especially disturbing to me was someone indicated that I was much too old to have the hairstyle that I had. So evidently, I am not supposed to curl my hair because I am so old. But uh, to that person, I'm going to continue to curl my hair, whether you like it or not. You looked beautiful, Alice. Thank you. I'm going to keep curling my hair. I'm not going to throw away my curling iron. Uh, This uh, Perfect segue to what we like to end on each week is our meaningful moment in uh, this hot political environment with the temperatures rising. Uh, Maria and I love to find the, the silver lining. And in this case, me and I think you too, we're going to find the gold, silver and bronze lining as the Olympics have kicked off this week. I'm just glued to the television set each night. And all of these athletes, I think, deserve the support and uh, admiration of of all. And my uh, meaningful moment quote, and it works out perfectly as well during Black History Month, uh, Aaron Jackson, who is a phenomenal uh, speed skater uh, for Team USA, Aaron says, uh, as an African-American athlete on the USA Olympic team, she says, quote, I just hope I can be someone who they can see and be like, oh, maybe I'll get out there and try one of these sports. So Aaron is out talking about being a role model for young black girls. I think that's so awesome. I love that. That is that is uh, that's very inspirational. And I think. You know, I love the Olympics. You know, both you and I um, are athletes uh, in, in, in different sports. And I've always felt, and I know you do too, that athletics have, has given me so much in terms of self-confidence, um, strength physically and mentally. Uh, and so I always look to these athletes and, for inspiration. And one of the quotes that I found, and I wanted to find a, um, a, a winter sport a- athlete, um, as you did. This is Kat- Katarina Witt, uh, who is an Olympic um, gold medalist from Germany. She talks about how it was disturbing to her in competitive sports, how women, instead of supporting each other, would try to tear each other down. And I think there is so way too much of that, not just in sports, but we see it in politics all the time. And I think that is something that we need to rethink um, and and we need to focus on supporting each other because, you know, Alice, when when you succeed, I feel like I succeed. And I feel that way with, you know, all of my women friends. Right. Um, so this is the quote. Too many times women try to be competitive with each other. We should keep supporting each other rather than try to be better than each other and tear each other down. And I couldn't agree more. I think that is so true. And again, you don't need to tear someone down to lift yourself up. And, you know, I think a rising tide lifts all boats. And and women, I think, should be each other's biggest supporters. And the more women can encourage that, I I certainly think the better. And I support you. Amen, sister. 
Amen, sister. Exactly. Well, that wraps it up for this edition of Hot Mics from Left to Right. Thanks so much for listening. And again, we'd love if you liked and shared uh, the podcast and send it out to your friends. You can follow me on social media on Twitter at Alice Tweet and Instagram Alice Stewart DC. And I can be reached on Twitter at Maria T. Cardona, on Instagram at Maria Cardona DC. Muchas gracias, amigos. Thank you so much. And hasta la próxima. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.